I have to go. Go where? Ohio. Ohio? What's in Ohio? You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room if you dare. Welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And we hope the beacon passed you by um, after um, what just happened the last episode. So hopefully um, you guys are okay. Uh, you didn't abuse your cars and you didn't try to, I don't know, uh, interrupt uh, a bunch of inbred people. I, yeah, I, yeah. It, it would really suck if you uh, not only lost your car due to, due to uh, malfunction, but you're about to get murdered by a bunch of crazy town folk that are all inbred. Yeah, I just I like the idea. It's like like I hope like people. This might be the first time checking in the series out. They're like, well, they they really talked about inbred people. Like, I have no idea what's going on. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> We're yeah, we're going to get into uh, the wrong turn series, uh, the X Files episode. Home? No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> can I? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to set the stage for what the show is, and I'm going to tell my X Files story real quick, if you don't mind. Uh, so, welcome to Strange Highways. This is a podcast we watch the Twilight Zone chronologically. We've covered um, the original series, um, all five ep- all five seasons. Go back and check that out, and then I guess. Not chronologically, we went and covered Paramount Plus, two seasons produced by Jordan Peele, and now we're in the 80s series. Real quick, um, the episode Home on the X-Files was aired originally, and then it was so controversial, it wasn't aired for a long time. I remember when they were going to air it again, I was in college, and I went to college a little south of Pittsburgh, so I, I was living in a house with some other guys on campus at my college, and the bulk of them were from Pennsylvania, and when they knew that this episode was airing, they kept making West Virginia jokes to me and my other friend that lived there from West Virginia. And they're like, Oh, it's the inbred people, West Virginia. And Terry, you know, for all X-Files episodes, they always give like a dateline of like where things take place in. Um, At the beginning of this episode, it said home, Pennsylvania. And we're just like, Oh, like we just, you know, (laughs) it's like face on you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Feast scratch moded right or whatever eli roth said in uh (laughs) cabin fever not a good performance but yeah that we yeah they got scratch moded there and they they got real quiet after like oh look at that look at that look at that huh what about that anyway (laughs) um i didn't really realize that where i was going to get into a talk a lot about inbreeding a lot coming into this but anyway welcome to the show um, yeah, let's just get past, uh, a bunch, all the sea people that were all the descendant of a lighthouse keeper. Um, that also makes me wonder about the Gordon Fisherman. If maybe he has a cult of people out there anyway. So, uh, let's just get into it. So <laughs> yeah, I, let's just move along here. Uh, we're getting into season one, episode 11, segment B of the ED series of the twilight zone. One life furnished in early poverty. 
Um, so Terry, I, like day and date we talked about last week, um, I messed up the movie. It was Rocky four, not death wish three. Um, and then, um, there was some song with Phil Collins and something, something, something. And then Frankie Munoz was, was born around that time. That's all I got for day and date. We talked about that last week. Who's, who's done what here and one life furnished in early poverty. Okay. So our, our director on this is, uh, Don Carlos, uh, Dunaway. Uh, not much for directing, uh, not very many credits at all as far as a director, but um, also credited as a writer. And one of the biggest credits that this uh, gentleman has is uh, was Cujo, worked on Cujo. So it must have been like reworking the story um, to make it fit into, uh, you know, a, like a film narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Because obviously it was written by Stephen King. Um, and then there was like a writing partner on there too. So Whoever that was, they they chopped it down a little bit and made it work for film. And then uh, an episode of uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yeah, so yeah, only two directing credits. This is one of them. Uh, with the Cujo thing, uh, he did a pass that removed like any type of like supernatural like hinting, mm-hmm. which I don't recall that in the book, but it's been like I, decades I don't know, since I've I, read the book. No, there wasn't anything supernatural. I think really what it boils down to is all the narrative from the dog and like what he was dealing with and not trying to kill the little boy. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what they dismissed because it's like, how do you really translate that to film? Yeah. And they also avoided the whole thing of all the kids eating the cereal that had the red dye in it and then causing them to look like they were um, <laughs> nothing wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> look like they were uh, passing blood. <laughs> Remember that whole thing? That was uh well, that was bad. It, yeah. And, and then, uh, definitely. All right. So if anybody has not read this book, please read it because it's, it's awesome. Like this is definitely Stephen King hyped on, on like super drugs. Well, no, uh, he, he's it, admitted that he, I don't think he even recalls writing this book. He was he, so high. He, he was so high yeah, on they, cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like there is definitely something that happens in the book as far as, uh, the cheating spouse oh, gosh. and how, yeah how off the rails that goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bumping rails off the rails. And then he's like, you know what I should do? I should direct a movie where cars and trucks just run over people. That's, that was, he's like, that's a good idea. We should make it happen. You know? Anyway. And he scared the hell out of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. Right. So, so yeah. Um, yeah. Th- this is interesting. This guy only had two directing credits, but yeah, you also mentioned D space nine. That's all I have for him. So, yeah. That's all I had as well. So uh, next year we have our writing credits. Uh, we have two uh, two people on this one. Uh, as some of these episodes seem to be trending, uh, there's quite a bit of writers. But uh, Harless, Harlan Ellison is the, the short story credit on here. Uh, we've talked about him a bunch. I don't know if there's much more you want to bring to the, the discussion on this since we've talked about him so much. Well, like he, he provided the commentary track for this episode. I'll get there. Sorry, this segment. I'll get there when I get there. Uh, but also like, he was like, like, uh, a, a story consultant and like, like one mm-hmm. of the people always around, we talked about this, right? He was always kind of hanging around at least this portion of the A's iteration. And, um, and you're going to mention, uh, Alan Brenner, who was the guy who wrote the screenplay based upon the story. Um, and he's repeatedly said he's like, Alan Brenner's the only person that he trusts to actually adapt his work, which I have questions about that, but whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, really like you were just saying, we've kind of talked about both of these gentlemen before, and we will be talking about them again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So on that note, we'll, we'll get into our cast well, here. I just want to mention just real quick. This is the fifth of 14 credits 
credited to Alan Brenner in the series, even though he's going to be around for a lot of it. We talked about him last week too, uh, in terms of the previous segment. So he's still going to be a mainstay, but this is, this is we're we're in the thick of it. So yeah, let's just get into the actors here. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so our, our first credit here is, uh, P- uh, Peter, uh, Rieger, Rieger, Riegert, I think so. Riegert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he plays Gus slash Harry Rosenthal. We'll get into that uh, in a minute and why that it works out that way for credits. Um, most notable, and uh, the thing I was uh, recognized this gentleman from immediately was Animal House. Mm-hmm. So he was in Animal House. Uh, he was in The Mask, uh, the Jim Carrey film, and then uh, did some episodes of uh, uh, Law and Order SVU as a, a really scummy uh a defense attorney yeah like he was in the mask which he was like the the one officer that was like trying to chase down figure out what's going on and every three seconds like you know jim carrey was one step ahead fun role uh he was also in um unbreakable kimmy schmidt which i don't think you've seen that series like i i've not like i there's a there's a season left to go but i adored that series i thought it was a lot of fun he was in that too very recognizable actor yeah very much so and like i said like you know, Animal House that that happened what fifteen years prior to this or whatever the hell it was. Like, it, he hasn't really changed as far as his facial features. So, like, if you see this dude, you're like, oh, it's the guy from Animal House. Yeah. So, but uh, either way, um, next uh, credit here we have Chris Herbert. He plays young Gus. So this is the younger version of Gus uh, R- Rosenthal. Uh, he was in the Last Starfighter. And then he was in the remake of Invaders from Mars, uh, which is the Toby Hooper uh, sci-fi horror film, and then uh, an episode of Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah, like he—he's a scene stealer in the Last Starfighter, right? Um, he's the younger brother. He has a lot of good lines. Like, yeah, it's—it's it's a fun little role. Yeah. So uh, next here we have uh, Jake Dehoe, or Dehoy, Dehoy, or Cahoe. Cahoy. Ke- I think it's—I think it's Jack uh, Kehoe. I think that's who you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. I, I totally messed up my nose. I'm sorry. Eh, Whatever. (laughs) Um, it's been a long weekend. Um, but, uh, yeah. So he plays Lou, uh, Rosenthal, the, the father of young Gus. Uh, he was in Serpico, uh, the, you know, the action, uh, cop action film of Al Pacino. It's a great film. Uh, he was also in a car wash and then young guns too. Yeah, I have him here in the Sting falling down. He had a brief role in that. Um, that that movie's not like that's not aged well. Anyway, um, and then um, <laughs> I, I love falling down, but it's like growing up. I'm like, yeah, that guy has a point. And then the hindsight, I'm like, oh, that guy is really messed up. Anyway, <laughs> and yeah. then his last uh, theatrical role was the game, the David Fincher film with uh, Michael Douglas and um, Sean Penn. So yeah, another guy that's very recognizable. Like when he gets a little older in terms of his roles. Yeah. So next credit here, uh, we have uh, Susan Wheeler Duff. Uh, she plays the woman. I'm really confused by this role because I'm not sure who the hell she was in this. If she, she was, was the, the woman at the beginning that was in the bed with. Um, oh, okay, okay, yeah. all right. So yeah, like the very brief uh, mm-hmm. snippet that we see of this lady. Um, but she has ten credits. Uh, the the only thing I was familiar was uh, she played in a couple episodes of uh, 
Murphy Brown. So I, the, here's IMDb. This is like IMDb. There, it is like the uh, cesspit for trivia that makes no sense. Here, here, here's some trivia for you, Terry, that no one needs to know. Uh, for uh, Susan Wheeler, uh, moved with her family to Pennsylvania after the 1994 Los Angeles earthquake. Los Angeles earthquake, which destroyed uh, her Sherman Oaks home. Thanks, IMDb. Wow. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I'm g- glad we know about that. <laughs> no, it's it's a really tragedy. Mean- like that's not trivia. That's just like, like, and maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the jerk for like bringing it to light, but I'm like, somebody posted that to be like, did you know that her life got destroyed for a minute? And then she moved back to Pennsylvania because of an earthquake. Like, come on. Like that, that's not, that's not trivia. Like, you know, yeah. thanks. I yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, next here we have uh, Biff Yeager. Um, he plays adult Jack we- uh, Wilden. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into what that really means later. But uh, he was in uh, Another 48 Hours, a sequel to 48 Hours. Um, and Edward Scissorhands. And then uh, a very obscure, like late 80s uh, zombie film called Nightlife, which is out of print at this point. And I'm. St- I am pining to try to find a version of this, damn it, because it is a very interesting zombie film. And you know me, guys. I am a huge horror film buff. Um, I like my obscure horror films. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, I've not, I've not heard that. But the one the one credit I'll say to him, because he did a lot of TV, and I put in my notes here, the ultimate TV actor, this guy, like, you know, it's a living, right? Uh, he was in um, an episode of Street Hawk. Terry, are you familiar with Street Hawk or no? No, I've not. It was kind of like a lower class after Knight Rider became a thing where it's like, but what if you had like a badass vehicle and somebody going out and like, you know, kicking ass and taking names and delivering justice. Street Hawk was about like this badass bike. Right. And so the whole thing was about this bike and my younger brother, like at the time, like he, uh, he loved the show. Like, I don't think we, like, I don't think we even cared what the show was about, but the motorcycle was cool. So this guy was an episode of Street Hawk. What was it like? There was all these different shows that incorporated vehicles being mm-hmm. like really badass to the well, plot. Well, because you had Blue Thunder and Airwolf, like yeah, like Night Rider Street Team, kind of. This is Street Hawk too. with the van, yeah, that A Team with the van, and then later on we get um. Do you remember that that terrible Hulk Hogan show, Thunder in Paradise, with that gunboat <laughs> that was always running around? Um, and then there was oh, that. God, I vaguely remember yeah, that. Then yeah. the NBC series, um, they had what was it, um the Dodge Viper, when they brought that thing out originally, there was an actual, like, sorry, NBC series that was like this Viper, but then it would get like really badass, Like, like <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Every time you try to th- try to, and, and like bring in a cool vehicle that if that's, that that's your um, hook for a show, you're going to run into a lot of situations later. I'm like, Oh, this thing can only drive around. What else can it do? I don't know. Right. The Simpsons made a joke. They had a TV series they were watching called night boat. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> like, Oh no, the, the, the credibles got to shore. What, what's night boat going to do? You know, like, yeah. So street Hawk, it's a motorcycle. Like, yeah. What if it's incl- inclement weather? I guess justice is not going to happen that day. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, you, you found it's uh it's kryptonite. <laughs> yeah. Icy roads. Road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or loose gravel like <laughs> yeah right <laughs> berms <laughs> yeah oh no this criminals went away on a sandy road 
oh no, I guess we, we did. Oh, next time, next time. You know, anyway, yeah. <laughs> right. And right, so then the last credit I have, unless you have one after this, but uh, Gary Carp, he plays young Jack. So the, the character we just mm-hmm. talked about a second ago, this is the younger version of, of that. Um, seven credits wasn't very familiar with any of them, but it was a child actor. So the last one I want to mention is, uh, Barbara Tarbuck. She plays Sarita Rosenthal. She's the mom. Um, when we go back in time, spoiler, um, lots of TV work. Uh, she was in short circuit and then she's also been in, um, the American horror story season asylum. So talk about anthology. There you go. So that's, that's what I wanted to mention. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, Glad you uh, noted that because I totally skipped over. Her. Well, no, just, like <laughs> you, I, how much American Horror Story have you watched? I, I watched the first season and completely gave up on like <laughs> it. Like they're not, <laughs> dude, dude. That the last couple episodes were just so, just so uh, taxing. I fell asleep. Fair enough. Like, <laughs> I, I I watched I watched the original first episode of the first season, and I'm like, this is like I'm like the editing on this is terrible and giving me a headache, and I never got back to it. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. So if, if everybody out there you like American Horror Story and that's what you enjoy, like I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take that away from you. It just it wasn't it wasn't my cup of tea, but I know a lot of people dig it. Yeah, I I could not get into it. Like it just really was. Like I said, like kind of taxing for me to watch it, and mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. Like some of the imagery was cool in that, and obviously some of the the storyline uh, was pretty interesting in I, itself too. Because you know I like horror and everything. I think but. it was invested in like shocking people as opposed to paying things off logically. That's my yeah. that's my take from majority of what I've been reading about it. Yeah, they, it's like they took a bunch of ideas, they put it into a big cup, shook it around, and then like did a Yahtzee thing. And they're like. Well, these are the things that came they, out of the they, cup. They, they, they poured the cup out and like and they're like, well, I might be able to make a small straight. I can't really do a Yahtzee. Um, yeah. Do I have Do I have yeah. sixes? No sixes. No. Yeah. <laughs> they're like Black Dahlia. Uh, yeah. the, the song Jeremy by Pearl Jam. <laughs> um, it's like, well, it's like I, I like um, I, I watched the first season of um, Castle Rock on Hulu, and it's like. And it's like, I like I, halfway through, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with this. And then about like the last two episodes, I'm like, you really had no idea where you're going with this the entire time. And then to find out the people that produced that were like part of American horror story. I'm like, well, that tracks you know, <laughs> type of thing. So, uh, but again, you know, some people enjoy just kind of more of the ride versus the payoff, you know, and that's cool. I'm, I don't think I'm one of those people. Like I, I don't know about you, Terry, but I, I just want things to like, even if it's the most screwed up thing, like give, if you give me screwed up logic, play by your own rules and I'm in, you know, like, but if you, if you keep breaking your own rules and defy your own logic, I have a hard time with that. No, that's fair. And I think that I'm typically in that, that wavelength as well, because there's definitely a, a lot of things that I've watched recently. I'm like, you broke your own rules. So how are you even supposed to, like respect everything else that you're showing us right now. Yeah. So yeah, well, this is not the podcast about bashing American horror story, which, you know, 
Terry and I have never really watched. Which wouldn't that be funny if we just look at like episode descriptions and just tear it apart without watching it? That would that would not be funny, but I think it'd be entertaining for you and I just to <laughs> just to guess what happened and see how right we were after the fact. That'd be funny. But no. Um yeah, I, I, I have been uh, I've been delaying uh, getting into uh one life furnished in early poverty, but we've talked about who did what. Uh we should let uh Mr. <laughs> Mr. Charles Aidman and his uh his intros, which you know, talk about like where we're going with some of this. Let's just, yeah, let's just get, let's just get this going. <laughs> he had to go back. It was that simple. Back to the place where his anger had first taken root. Back to find the turning point which had set him on the road to success and loneliness. Because here, in this small Ohio town, lived the shadows of the boy he used to be and the man he could have become. Gus Rosenthal is returning home to the Twilight Zone. I mean, at least this makes more sense than opening day, right? Like, let's be, at least it's kind of getting the broad strokes of what this episode's about, for good or for bad. Right now, he's batting like 300, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like it's, it, and that's like slugging percentage. Because like, yeah. uh, there are definitely some of them that hit makes sense. I'm like, all right, I understand what he's trying to say here. And there, but then there's other ones where I'm like, he's just trying to be too poetic and I don't know what the hell he's trying to say. Like opening day, it was like, huh? What? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not going to blame him, but it's going to, whoever brings it to him, like, like the beacon last week, it's like, like roads don't go anywhere. I'm like, you, they do. They literally do. That's the point of a road. Like that's, they, they go places, right? Like you follow anyway. So, so yeah, I'm not going to blame him, but it's like, there's just times where I'm like, all right, well, like they're all ones like, we got to be clever. We got to be as clever as Serling. I'm like, just take a step back, take a drag off of your Oasis cigarette and you can figure shit out. But anyway, this one's at least, at least a little better. Um, but yeah, let's get into this. Uh, so I'm going to put it on you, Terry. Where, where are we at to start this off? One life furnished in early poverty. All right. There's, there's quite a bit here, folks. Um, I think we might want to try to keep this at least a little bit more brief because I mean, there's a lot of dialogue and there's a lot of like scenes of just being like, I'm not sure where this is going. Like, um, so, so I agree with you. Like, and I'm, I'm going to drag this up. Cause I apologize everybody. Cause I'm, I'm a hack and a fraud. This feels, this episode almost feels ripcord worthy in the sense, sorry, the segment, because it's like, all right, what happened? But there, there's a little bit here that I think we should at least get into like the guts of it. But you're right. It's very dialogue heavy. Yeah, and I'm by no means do I think that we need to skip over this or anything like that. I think there are some interesting themes that are going on here, um, but yeah, we'll 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 dive into these uh, right now. So uh, we're gonna get Gus Rosenthal. He wakes up early in his uh, Hollywood like apartment, whatever, and uh, he gets a call from somebody, and he's immediately irate with this person on the phone. Um, yelling like crazy, wakes up uh, the girl that's in his bed and just being a complete douche on the phone with this person. And in this moment of anger, he he hits uh, a shelf that has these little army men on it. And that's when he comes back down from his like tirade. And he notices that the, the figure is broken. And the girl that's in his bed is really trying to connect with him. Like, hey, look, 
you know, what, what's the deal? What's going on? Tell me, why don't you talk to me? And he's still like fiddling around with this toy. And we come to find out that this is a toy that he had bought in his youth. And there is some emotional connection here because again, he's still trying to figure out how to fix it. And this girl, I think is a, somebody he may have just like picked up. Yeah. She's a groupie, like a book signing or something like that. She's a fan. Cause you realize that he's kind of a guy of some, some renown from the way she approaches him. Mm-hmm. Like, so you get like, yeah, he's an established person and she's trying to be like, I liked your, like, you know, what you said last night, your but also like, whatever. yeah. And it's like, she's trying to like weave in some into window and he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I got my army dudes here, whatever. Which by the way, why would you keep your toys at the foot of the bed? Like, it just feels weird to me. Like, <laughs> just, I don't know. Like, you know, that especially feels- if they have some kind of emotional attachment yeah. to you. And like, I, I, I don't know about you, but. Uh, my figures, especially the, the ones that are worth a lot of money, they're not just sitting around, dude, they're in a cabinet, you know, and that's just a collector in me, I guess. Yeah. So like when you sleep and you just like, you take a nap, you just like turn your leg over and just kick that cabinet open, like just out of anger. Is that what happened? No, I'm kidding. But it's just like, it just feels weird that like, it's just the setting of that, whatever, but he's so angry. He is so angry. And it's like, it's like unreasonably angry. Right. And yeah. Then, he's rude to the person yeah. on the phone. He's, he, I mean, like he just being a complete douche. And yeah. I, like whatever, whatever the context of that, that conversation is or whatever, it, it, you know, obviously it's something that has to do with business. And, um, he feels like he's the most intelligent person within that conversation too. But immediately when that phone gets uh, put down and that, that toy is broken, it's like, he is, he shut the world out. Like, did you, I mean, like that was kind of interesting. It's like, well, he doesn't want to talk about whoever was on the phone. He doesn't want to acknowledge this beautiful woman that's in his bed. He is only concerned about this toy now. No, you're right. And he, like, it's one of like, it looks like somebody that had, so it's all, it's all these like 10 toy soldiers or whatever, like these army men. And it looks like one of them that had like, um, I don't know, like, uh, those, uh, tube shooters, right? Like the little rocket launcher type of thing. And the, the, the part yeah. broke off, right? Like, uh, the, I don't know what you call it, the grenade launcher. He's like, oh, I can't fix it. She's like, well, it must be valuable. He's like, nah, I paid like 10 cents back in the day. And she's like, oh, okay. And he's like, you know what? Um, I got to go to Ohio. And then she's like, what's in Ohio? And my, my answer is, I don't know, stuff, not much. We're here. That's about it. There's, there's a hall of fame, a football hall of fame, a rock hall, probably some uh, farmland and a bunch of trailer parks. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Strange, what, strange highway, strange highway. <laughs> <laughs> um some some uh varying degrees of success uh sports franchises in the state i don't know what's here right um so when he's like i have to go back to ohio uh when they do like the whole like um like overhead view i was like do i recognize any of these buildings and there was one that was kind of like football shaped i'm like is this is this canton and i looked up the hall of fame like that's not canton <laughs> like i don't know i don't know where he was unless they did like this big tracking shot of painesville ohio which is where um, I found out that, um, we talked about this previously that, um, um, uh, shit, what's his name? Um, do, 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 uh, Harlan Ellison was born in Cleveland, but his family moved to Painesville. 
later. Like he was like a couple years old and they moved to Painesville. And that's where a lot of the story of the Genesis comes from. I'm like, is that Painesville? I don't know. It just seems like, you know, I like that Ohio is somehow subbed in for like the Midwest when it really isn't. It's not the middle of the country. Like, but why is Ohio the thing that everybody defaults to? I, there's something really strange about how um, storylines exist in Ohio, but then they don't want to show Ohio. <laughs> and then and vice versa otherwise. They're like, we're in Washington, D.C., and it's actually Cleveland that we were filming in. It's like, thank you, MCU, for not acknowledging. <laughs> like the act- Unless it was the one, oh, it was Winter Soldier. Yeah. And they were like Cleveland, and I was like, I actually don't think that was filmed in Cleveland. When well, no, Civil that. War. The, when they did like the, the the Captain America Civil War, they said Cleveland. That wasn't shot in Cleveland, but then a lot of oh, Winter yeah. Soldier was shot in Cleveland. <laughs> I, yeah, that's yeah, what that I'm was, saying. I'm like, yeah, it was funny. The, the Russo brothers are what's going yeah. on here. It's like yeah. even yeah. like one of the biggest movies for this area, the Christmas Story. It's like it's supposed to be in Indiana, so. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, but I also like that like part of the Avengers was shot in Cleveland, part of the original Spider-Man 3 was shot in Cleveland. It's like, yeah, whatever. Anyway, but no, I like if you want to go if you want to like actually go to the center of America, I would say go to like Iowa. Like Iowa feels like middle, like the actual middle of the country, not Ohio, right? I know a duck landed here once and had an adventure, but um, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> That's a, that's a good joke. Yeah. I, like I just, that. I don't know. Like, but anyway, so he has to go back to Ohio. Um, you know, what was it? Uh, Oh, what was her name for the pretenders? She had to go back to Ohio as well. I was going to make that joke. Oh. And I, you know, uh, Chrissy Hind, Hind, Chrissy Hind. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, so yeah, he goes back to Ohio. Uh, and then, so it took me a second. I don't know if you picked up on this or not. So he goes back to his childhood home and it, there's a real quick flash of the mailbox that actually says Rosenthal. Um, I didn't see that the first time through. I don't know if you picked up on that or not. I did not notice that. No. So to our knowledge, as fast as this was, he was going to somebody else's house in the middle of the night and digging shit up in the front yard. You know, like, I'm like, that's what you do. That that's, that's a perfectly acceptable thing is to go to some stranger's house in the middle of the night and start digging up in the front yard. But seeing the mailbox, it was implied to my knowledge is that he, either the property is still in the family or he owns it. Um, but it was so fast you'd miss it. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I, and the thing I did notice, though, is that whenever he was around the house itself, there wasn't any lights on or anything. So either he was being super creepy and going there so late. I mean, it's nighttime. But, like, you know, even if it's, like, 8 o'clock at a certain time of year, it's still going to be dark outside. But I was, like, really curious and, like, all right, so does somebody else own this house? And this dude just happens to be, like, effing around in their yard right now like what's going on yeah it just felt really really peculiar but yeah he uh, counted off steps with his feet and he starts digging in the dirt with like in the middle of the night with a flashlight and then a uh, knife <laughs> yeah a knife right like yeah he's just stabbing he's stabbing there with a knife yeah, as you do uh in ohio uh and then like as he's uncovering this army man like you know suddenly we get there we see the moon and the over like the the cloudy sky and things change and then we hear the sound of like wind chimes like that like whatever that is i'm like oh good that just shows us things are going on now i i hate that music cue so much like it's overused with a little twinkly of the chimes i get so tired of it but anyway so suddenly we like um he stands up 
and he's now wearing like this like nice tailored like suit with a tie and he has like like a hat like a fedora and he looks over and you hear the sounds of like 40s 50s music like you know the like not big band but you know like it's like not like it, it definitely is of the time and he was like oh i'm back it in time it sounds now. like glenn miller yeah that like that's the right call that's the right call glenn miller you're right that's the right call um yeah that bandstand kind of music right back then um and then he looks over and he's like oh shit i'm back in time and i'm about to watch my parents uh beat the hell out of me that's interesting like yeah he's suddenly back in time guess that's what we're doing now cool which i get that the twilight zone has had um even more tenuous reasons for things to happen like i guess i'll go i'll go back to the season three episode of the original series back there where the guy gets kicked out of the club and all of a sudden the music starts playing weird and he's like, Oh, I'm banging on the door. I guess I'm back in Lincoln times. Like, you know, fair enough, but this feels really loose. Yeah, very much so. And I mean, so we get the parents, well, we get, uh, you know, Gus's parents, young Gus. This is, and we really aren't supposed to know what the hell is going on here. It's just now he's got weird, different clothes on like we're assuming this is back in the day i guess that's what's implied here but we don't know yet who the kid is that we're looking at um but it, it's supposed to be young gus and it's his parents and they're um scolding him for uh being a thief you know he's he stole from a store and you know it, it, we're already getting the idea it's like well young gus kind of had some problems on the wrong path and that and then his dad whoops him. Um, I think that scene was a little bit more drawn out than it should have been. I think we could have probably cut that down a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but then the next day we see that young Gus is kind of just like bopping around town. Well, I just want to point yeah. out that, that I'm, I'm going to wind this back a second after. So young Gus doesn't see the aftermath of what happened. Old, older Gus is looking through the window and seeing his father like just broken apart that he had, he brought the belt against his child. Right. And, uh, his, his, his wife was like, you know, he has to learn. So you at least see that like the dad is sympathetic in the sense of like, he didn't want to do it. I think that's kind of an important beat that him as his older self looking through the window didn't realize. So no, that's, yeah. that's completely fair. And I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I mean, I think there are a lot of moments like that where we don't get the, the other perspective here of like, well, the dad had to lay down the law, but how, how much did he feel like, um, like happy about doing that? Well, like, yeah, I whooped his ass because he deserved it. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, it, like we're, we're both grownups now, quote unquote. Right. Um, and it's like, I don't know when we were younger adults, like to us, like had everything figured out. And now that we're their age, I'm like, you no, no, like. Like everybody's like three seconds away from like sitting, like opening up your fridge and just eating cheese was out of desperation. Like I get it, you know. Like we're all, you know, like we're we don't have things figured out. We just have more bills to pay. Like you know, and but but parents are gods when you're a kid, right? What, what's that? What's that phrase from the crow? Um, God is the name of like it's, it's on the lips of all children and, and for mother or whatever. The uh, line mother is. is the name of uh, yeah. mother is the name of. Uh, a God, a, a God on the lips of all children. Yeah. yeah something like that. Something yeah. like that. Right. So I'm messing it up, but you're, you're like, it's it, so to see that he was like, he was at his wits end and didn't know what to do. And in terms of the lens of like the fifties of like, that was what you were supposed to do. That's what was expected. I think that's, I think that's important. 
to note. But yeah, the next day, young Gus is like, I got a stick. I'm walking along. Do, 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 do. And then um, I'm going to put this in my notes, and I hope you appreciate the, 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 what I wrote here. I was like, oh, the little monsters on Maple Street are due. Like, there's like eight kids that just come rushing out and just chase young Gus. We don't know why. He's marked for death. <laughs> from a couple angles too it's like yeah. how long were these kids waiting to like uh sneak attack him like that's pretty messed up like i don't know like poor poor gus here is about uh two beat-ups away from going completely hostile like, yeah <laughs> so he, he he hightails it rightfully so uh, and then he runs into his older self and then his older self is like, I'm wearing a suit and a hat. And all the younger kids are like, I don't know if you heard like the, the overdub, the ADR one was like, he looks like a G man. <laughs> they, right. they all just like, they all just beat feet and run away. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Like, I don't think it was purposely funny, but he's like, he looks like a G man. Yep. He's a, he's a grown up wearing like a shirt and tie. Guess we can't go beat up this other kid. Yeah. And the way he's like postured too, because he stops young Gus, just looks at him, doesn't say anything, kind of gives him the single signal of like, yeah, go ahead and carry on. And he like puts this like one foot forward, like bring it <laughs> like, like you were, you, you think you're tough. Come at me. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just like, what was, I saw the meme. Um, what was it, uh, recently where it was like, uh, someone's like, um, I just recently got bit by like a, a dog that was like, oh, what was the meme? Like I got bit by a dog that was like the size of a small child. They're like, are you okay? It's like, yeah. It's like, what would be you prefer like versus a dog or a small child? It's like, I think I could have held myself against a bunch of children, you know, versus a dog. It's like, yeah, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for uh, old Gus to be like, all right, kids, it's beating time. You know, and yeah, just go as he after pulls them. out a blackjack and starts smacking him upside the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I was waiting for the Billy Madison moment with the dodgeball thing. He's like, "You're all in trouble now." I was waiting. <laughs> I was waiting for him just to lay waste. You know, like yeah. So he, he doesn't do it. Which later on, I was really hoping that would happen. But yeah, uh, he ends up like we end up seeing a young Gus at the at the the malt shop drugstore or whatever. Um, like considering like stealing another toy soldier, it's like. Dude, you just got whipped. Like, calm down. Anyway, so old Gus sees him and, like, looks at him. And then young Gus is like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't steal that. And then so we get this whole notion of, like, well, maybe he's affecting his previous self, right? And it's like, yeah, just a dude watching a kid that's not his own. Like, that's, you know, that's perfectly fine, right? That's fine. Oh, yeah. And, you know, because it's not going to get any weirder later either. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so we get, I think it's like the next scene we get little Gus on the playground now, right? That's the next scene. Where he's like, he's just by himself using a swing set. And then we got old Gus um, watching across the way. Um, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to take my eyes up for a second. You know, I'm going to get an ice cream. And then the one second he takes his eyes off himself. That's a weird statement. Like eight thousand kids show up to like beat the kid on uh on the swing set. Yeah, like a uh, little Jack Meatball here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like he reminded, dude. He's reminded me so much of uh, who was the character from Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Oh, the one the the bully. Yeah. Um, oh shoot, I'm gonna oh, look that God, up. You're I can't right. Remember what the hell his name is? But he reminded me of him so much. But like a child version of him. Like it looked Francis. like he had the same haircut. It, it looked, Francis. Yeah, Francis. Yeah. yeah. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> like so oh. Francis is going to come over and steal his bike. Yeah. Um, with like his other little goons here. Yeah. And they, they rush up on him while older uh, Gus is getting the ice cream and they start whooping his ass. Like, Again, what is all this hostility for? Like, I like I wish I knew some kind of like background to this. Yeah, we, ne- we never we never understand. Like, maybe he's been a little shit and is like pissed off all of them. We never get that. We never get like the backstory at all, other than he's marked for death. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. We got like five of these kids beating his ass. It's like, yeah. what is up? Like, could we not like? Yeah. You are training this kid to want to be like. like an animal when he gets older and like come after you guys like you know whatever so but all of a sudden yeah yeah, older older gus notices he drops he drops the ice cream which i think is the greatest tragedy in all this he just drops it (laughs) right and he just runs over he doesn't he and so here i I found i found the thing i was trying to mention i my brain was broken it says hey i got bitten on my walk by a great dane my God, imagine if it had been a small child. I could have, I could have fought off a small child, Alice. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like imagine if they got bitten by a small child. And I just believe that like old Gus would have been like, yeah, I could fight off all these kids. I like that he takes one of them and he's like, never again. And they all take off. I'm like, yeah, you don't know kids. They're going to wait. There was, yeah. There was a brief pause there too. I was like, it, like, he just stood there for a second just looking at the kid. And then he yells, never again. And then like kind of shoves him outside. It's like, that's really strange in that timing. That like, I don't know what that extra second of holding the kid was for, but either way. And, uh, Gus is apparently like pretty upset and that he's, Oh, I could have, I could have beat him, whatever. And, and, uh, older Gus, it's like, no, no, chill out, man. He's, he's like, like, calm down, scrappy do like you'll get him eventually, but not right now. <laughs> yeah, right, scrappy do. Yeah. But yeah, he calms him down. And he says, Hey, look here, wipe yourself off or get you over to your parents and you can, we, and we can get you cleaned up and that. And so he takes him back to, uh, his father's shop. Uh, I guess he's a jeweler. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah, he's a jeweler. You're right. Yeah. So, uh, he takes him to Lou's shop and, um, immediately when he walks in, uh, he doesn't really pay any attention to who it is. And he's, I'll be with you in a moment. But uh, young Gus walks up to him, and like that's when he kind of glances up and sees that it is his son, and you know that you know he got it, he got his ass whooped. Uh, so he said, "Whoa, what happened again?" And immediately goes to the like the assumption that it had something to do with Gus's decision. Like Gus did it. What did you do now? I well, mean, he's not wrong though. Like he literally, like the day before was like, you need to stop doing this. And then his kid comes in with a bloody nose. Right. Like, you know, like I'm not, I'm not saying his dad was correct. I'm just saying that like based upon supposedly previous evidence, which he even mentions to, um, older Gus who's sitting like standing there saying like, he didn't do this. It wasn't his fault. He's like, yeah, I don't like, you know, like maybe, maybe I, like I need to consider a different perspective. And he was like, well, just like last week, like he just shoved one of his friends off a roof. And then old Gus is like, well, when I was a kid, I'd like to think I could fly and then like jump off a roof and fall into the bushes. And it was a lot of fun. Maybe his buddy, uh, didn't understand that. And he wanted him to help him. I'm like, so you're justifying shoving a kid off the roof because you thought it was fun to jump off of it. Is that, is that really the logic you want to give the father? That seems weird to me. Yeah, it's, it's very strange, but I've definitely been there where 
you know, I was a kid and try to explain what really happened <laughs> and no one wanted to listen. So yeah, that's like, fair. But the idea, I love that older Gus is like, yeah, I could justify why I just shoved a, another kid off a roof. You know, like, yeah, I might have killed him, but it was fun for a second. He flapped his arms and he like, you know, yeah, it was like that, like Wiley Coyote. He, he could fly for a second until he looked down. I, I promise you, you know, whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. But so, um, you know, like the explanation is given. Um, it seems like Lou's a little bit more understanding, given uh, Gus a little bit of leeway here, young Gus. And then so we see in the next scene, I believe it's where um, they're, they're at the malt shop, I believe. No, they're going to go to the malt shop, right? They're playing basketball. Yeah, the whole thing was like, um, yeah, what was it? They, they, no, no, it wasn't. Where was it? You're right. Um, they go down to the drugstore. Yeah, they're playing. No, actually, I'm sorry. It was a young Gus like throwing like a, a rubber ball against the fence that oh, was yeah, bouncing yeah. around, and then it was about to break a window, and old Gus grabs it, and he's like, "Oh, thanks. My dad would have been mad." He's like, "He sure was." And the, like young Gus is like, "What?" And then, and then old Gus is like, yeah, there's some, there's some really cool comic books. There is, you know, X-ray man and bikini Soul woman man or, or you know, inside out gal or whatever he was saying. I don't Blue know. Blue Beetle. Yeah. I, yeah. I, which I believe Blue Beetle like really was a character. No, he still is. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Everything they mentioned was real. I was just coming up with like really dumb comic book names. Like, you know, um, uh, you know, um, fall down, fall, falls down, man. I don't know. Anyway, uh, paper cut guy. Like, hey, yeah, let's go get it. You know, whatever. Anyway. So well, they, you know, they, I yeah. guess the, the one thing that we kind of skipped over here and we were going to explain is um, in meeting Lou, young Gus's dad, um, he says that his name is Harry, not Gus. So it's, Harry Rosenthal and we and that's when Lou says well I thought we were the only Rosenthal's in the area and that's when you know uh, older Gus explains like well I'm just in the area trying to write a book about Ohio right now yeah no that's fair and the, but also okay um wouldn't you maybe just change your last name I yeah I I think that would have been a little bit more um reasonable yeah. <laughs> well, because the whole bit too, where like young Gus is like, Oh, your last name's Rosenthal. That's my name too. And he's like, yeah, that's a coincidence. I'm like, I don't know. That's a very specific name. You know what I mean? Like just, you know, like I'm not saying that there are other Rosenthal's don't get me wrong, but that is, um, it's not the Smith. <laughs> yeah. Like what's your name? I'm just Joe bag of donuts, you know, like, okay, great. You know, anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm Joe guy back in the past right now. That's really angry. Looking at my younger self. Like, uh, anyway, so yeah, so they go, they go to the malt shop drugstore, which by the way, I, I miss drugstores that serve ice cream. That needs to happen still. I think that would be amazing. You just go down to, you know, like a Walgreens and be like, yeah, I'm here to pick up my prescriptions and get a Sunday. Like, why not? Yeah. Like I missed the days of soda jerks when I never actually ever experienced one, but it would be cool. <laughs> you could go down, get your, get, get your pills, get a Sunday and buy as many cigarettes as you needed. Th those were the great days, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like watching movies where there's soda jerks within a uh, drugstores. And I'm like, well, that seems like a really cool one-stop shop, you know? <laughs> Like, and you can buy your comic books and army men too. Like, um, I, I think the only, the, the closest thing that we have here in Ohio, like, uh, tying it in is like, uh, Mally's, you know, like, Oh, I you thought going, you were going to say BA sweeties. So. Uh, that's too, but that's true. But there was also some other, there's Mally's, which is a, a local uh, chocolate company. There's there. They have a location that's not too far away from here that has 
a um, ice cream counter, like um, like a soda jerk counter, but also like a little tiny carousel in the middle, like in the middle of the room. Yep, and, it, 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 <laughs> and it's like it's the stuff of nightmares because ba sweet, not ba sweet. Sorry, um, the um, their their coloring is um, salmon pink and like like a light green. That's like it makes you think of like hospital like yeah. corridors. You're like, oh, good Mally's where where candy goes to die. But if, I, if you weren't thrown off by that yet, then there's the elephant head on the wall too. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I had an ex-girlfriend that wanted to go there every time she was in town. I'm like, yeah, I guess we're gonna go to the weird, uh, shining chocolate shop there. That's fine. But like, she loved the little carousel that moved at like one inch a minute. Like it was so slow and there's the counter. I'm like, like, but that's, that's all okay. But can I also just get my prescriptions filled? That would be better. I if I can get my happy pills with my ice cream, I could probably ignore the nightmare that is that place. Yeah, just put it on there like sprinkles too, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm glad that you know what I'm talking about because like you ever have those moments in your life where you're like, this is a really weird dream, but you're alive and looking at everything. Like, yeah, sometimes I've been in those places where I'm like, none of this makes sense. All right, <laughs> I gotta go. If I ever actually do get to go to one of those types of places eventually, all I'm gonna think about is the scenes from it. Um, <laughs> with the creepy old man. Yes. Yeah. That's not, not, you're not far off. Right. So anyway, <laughs> like we're this, I like, uh, everyone's like, we should go back to when America was great. It's like, yeah, great. Like, I, like let's get to drug stores that have ice cream and you can shoplift to your heart's content. That's where we yeah. need to go back to. And you still might actually be able to get cocaine over the counter. So. <laughs> <laughs> I need a little, I need a little pep in my step. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, like anyway, so yeah, they're, 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 um, young Gus is talking to like, sorry, old Gus is talking to young Gus and there's a conversation about like, yeah, I like these comic books. I might want to be an illustrator. And he's like, yeah, there's a lot of money in this. And then we find out like, you know, this whole thing of like, well, how did you become who you are? And old Gus is like, I don't quite remember the conversation. It's like, well, that's going to pay off later. The one thing that does in this whole entire uh, segment He's like, yeah, but I wanted to show all the people that bullied me and all the people said I wouldn't be anything. I wanted to go and show them I'm going to be a big man, an important man, but I forgot to live my life. And then yeah. the kid's like, cool. I've learned my lesson. I'm buying an army man, not stealing it. Yeah, I like how he like calls over to him. He's like, Mr. Rosenthal. And he, he looks over at him. He's like, I'm paying for everything. Yeah. I'm like, paying 10 cents. Yeah, yeah, like, wow, cool, dude. Like, you you go girl like <laughs> like you pay your way yeah but then but we get this weird bit where like older gus is like suddenly kind of faint and like collapsing into his chair which i thought would be a bigger thing and they kind of they explain it later it doesn't really make any sense right but then we cut to a sequence where they're burying a toy toy soldier together <laughs> in like young gus's front yard and this, this whole sequence is awkward and weird like uh, yeah, I I would say so. Yeah. So yeah, like they're just going through the the whole thing. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna come back and dig it up someday, and it's gonna be super cool and whatever. And that's when um young Gus asks uh older Gus or Harry um to read him a story, and that's when he starts going into this story where there's like a genie, and he's given this guy two options. There's a box with enough air for his wife to breathe for like 10 minutes or some shit. And then the other, the <laughs> other, it's just so goofy at this point. Like I can't remember exactly what it was, but then the other box is filled with some kind of like 
uh, bacteria that eats or something. And then he's like, he starts jumping on young Gus and he's like, oh, Gus for lunch, Gus for lunch. Oh, it's going to get you. And I'm like, as we pan over and we see <laughs> Lou, yeah. young, young Gus's father looking through the window, kind of like salty, but doesn't do anything right you can tell he's angry he's like who who the hell is this mystery man that's like frolicking with my son in the yard and getting really really weird like the credit to the father he you know like as much as he's not like the best person in the world that's you know what i would I, I i agree with his suspicion i think that's his, fair. Uh, suspicion okay fine but inactivity like like he's not doing anything to just go out there and be like so I'm really, I'm kind of confused right now, Harry Rosenthal. What the hell are you doing with my kid in my yard? <laughs> <laughs> like, I think this is a time for questions. <laughs> I see you have a garden trail. Time to dig another hole. You know, like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it looks, actually, it's funny enough that you say that too, because later on we see Gus, young Gus has dug a pretty big damn yeah, hole. That's so all confusing I'll, to me. I'm like, Oh, this is going to pay off. Nope. Right. So then <laughs> yeah, yeah. we'll get there when we get there. I guess yeah, we're, like, we're almost there. I, I, I like how we're like, we're not gonna talk about this much, but there's so much weird shit that goes on in all of this. So, so then, so. Yeah. so then, um, uh, the father confronts old Gus, Harry about like, Hey, he already has a father. Right. And it's like, okay. And th this is actually not a bad moment where we get old Gus to actually talk to his actual father at the time about like, you know, maybe this needs to be listened to and talked to. And if I, like my father died when he was young and if I had a chance to talk to him, like I let him know that I turned out okay. And then, but also we get the bit where the father was like, you know, I'm an angry man. Um, he's an angry kid. And the older he gets, he's angrier and angry and angry. I don't know how to deal with that. There's some honest, open emotion here. And that, um, that makes sense story-wise. I just don't know if like that we have had the emotional, um, like, I don't know if we've earned it, but it's still a nice scene. Yeah. I, all right. So I agree that this conversation is a little bit more enlightening for Lou because it kind of points out his flaws in, you know, like not, I, I don't want to say he's being a bad dad, but he's not being the kind of dad that young Gus needs right now. And those are the things that obviously older Gus recognizes because, you know, like he was that kid and he, he wanted those things from his father and it wasn't very difficult to communicate that with his father being the young kid then. So it's like, now he's kind of like his peer. So he's able to point these things out to him. But I just, I feel like these last couple scenes were not executed properly. Mm -hmm. Like, first of all, can we not have older Gus slash stranger who just walked into town rolling around with Lou's child in his yard? <laughs> I think we could have done without that because yeah. we already established a connection between the two of them. If we at least saw Gus or not Gus, uh, Lou looking out to the yard and seeing them just spending time with each other, then that already establishes that there's more of a connection with the stranger than there is with his own father. And then we could have had like, instead of Lou showing up at the random hotel room that older Gus is staying in, why don't we get him trying to catch a taxi and like stopping him real quick 
Like, hey, hey, dude, I just saw what transpired in my yard. You're not his father, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It just, it seemed very weird. It looked like Lou was going to go ahead and kill him in his his hotel room or something. No, I agree. And I think that like you could have, you could have approached this from a couple different ways, you know, and I don't know if that was the best execution. I agree with you completely on that. So, um, because especially if, um, especially if the, if the father has anger issues, you know, and that he has a hard time communicating with his son, I think you could have shown this better in terms of all that and, uh, and still have gotten all the emotion across and the intent from, you know, um, you know, older, um, older Gus to show that like he might be back here, but his decisions aren't necessarily working out the way he hoped, which we find out in a minute that like, it's a loop. Right. And it's just like, so I'm going to say this right now, this is a, um, a lesser version of walking distance which um, that was from the original series. It was uh, season one, episode five. Um, that's what this is, right? You have a guy that actually was like wistful for his childhood. He actually gets to go back home, which I think is in Ohio, by the way. And he tries to um, like get the same vibe and he actually encounters his younger self and then talks to his father. And his father's like, you know what? You've had this summer. Let him have his. Meaning... I understand that you're going to grow up to be this guy, but stop interfering because you had this once, let him have it. This feels like this is like a malformed, um, broken version of that narrative. And I, you're, you're very much correct on that. I think, um, I think that they probably, um, who was our Harlan? Was it Harlan Ellison? Harlan Harlan Ellison. yeah. Yeah. He must've seen that episode and been like, let me tweak a few things here. And, and like, I guess it had yeah. something to do a let, lot. With let me make it shittier. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I yeah. guess this, this was kind of like something to do with his own childhood too, but like, yeah, I have notes from that. We'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So, but nonetheless, um, Lou in the conversation with older Gus kind of gives, um, I guess more gravity to the situation for why Gus is doing the things that he's doing. And how Lou is kind of, I don't want to say he's messing up, but like kind of giving him more clarity on what he needs to do, become a better, uh, have a better relationship with his son. And so, you know, we get, we get the next morning and, uh, we get older Gus slash Harry goes to visit young Gus. I know this might be confusing to some of our listeners. If you watch the episode, you'll understand what the hell we're talking about. But, um, and young Gus is digging what looks to be a grave. I don't know. Like yeah. it's a pretty big hole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. No, I put, <laughs> I put in my notes all in caps. What is young Gus digging that large hole for question mark yeah. is what I wrote. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know if like uh, young Gus is at his, uh, at his wits end with his father, but, uh, or he's trying to bury all of his bullies. <laughs> well, I, that's well, fair enough. But I, I honestly thought for a half second, like the first time through that we, we, cause there's this whole thing. We, there's been this, um, hinting that, um, it's not ever qual- qualified, even though older Gus says this, that like he is sick and he doesn't belong here. So you get like this weird, like time is trying to like untangle itself, like a little bit of like, um, 
There's the Stephen King book. Was it um, oh eleven twenty two sixty two? I think that's that might be the name of it. It's the it's the date that Kennedy got shot. And there was the right. um, there was the Hulu limited series of the same thing where uh, the main character was able to go back in time, but like he was trying to change the assassination, but time pushes back. And I kind of got the idea that with old Gus being here, that it wasn't right. And something was trying to course correct. I honestly thought with that large hole that old Gus would be like, all right, well do good. And just like be gone. You know what I mean? Like I was expecting him to see the error of his ways, but his, his death would push like a, like a, an alternate possibility of himself into being better. I gave this episode, the segment too much credit. I mean, that's, that's fair. Obviously I uh, go on a little darker with it because I was kind of hoping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just you just see, you see the- young Jack Wielden, just his hand in the air, like, 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 <laughs> like stuck out I, of the dirt, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was imagining like the next army man, it was trying to be dug up. It was actually, it was like a child's like, like bony hand oh, and it was that oh, little jack my goodness how amazing that had been if we got to the episode and we got uh, uh old gus digging in the dirt and you just found this child pit in his front yard it's like well he finally got the last word on that <laughs> on those bullies like <laughs> and then like the bony hands holding one of the figures that he needs to replace uh the one that broke <laughs> Right, oh my gosh, right. we just wrote a better episode. That's way worse, but I love it. I love it so way, much. Way darker, too. I, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, so like we get um, older Gus explaining to young Gus, he's got to get going. He's not meant to be here. Uh, he, he's not feeling well. And young Gus is like, hey, man, like I'll go with you. Uh, you know, I'll help you write the stories. Uh, I'll, I'll even go to school. Like he's really upset by the fact that he's going to lose his like new best bud. Cause it, the way we're viewing this right now, like he really doesn't have any friends. So, mm-hmm. you know, when older Gus walks into his life, like this, this is probably the, the, the grounding that young Gus needs to, you know, not give up hope, you know, like, I mean, there's a lot of kids that lose their way just because they don't have anybody. And I think now that Gus has older Gus, it's like, and the idea of losing him, it's like, it's, it's devastating. And he gets really upset and he's like, and he tells him kind of verbatim in a sense of what uh, Gus explained to him about what he said to the world when he finally made it big, like, I'm going to make it big and I'm not going to need you. And when I see you on the street, I'm going to spit in your face. And I, because I'm going to make more money than you, and I'm going to be bigger and better than you. It's like something to that accord. Mm. And it just, and then he runs off. He just runs away. And there's nothing that older Gus can do. And he really, he comes to that, that, res, um, that, uh, revelation. Finally, revelation yeah. that finally, this was the moment. This was the moment that he couldn't remember and how it played out. It was him that left him, it wasn't his father. Yeah. Which I mean, on the surface, like on pen and paper that works. It just, whenever he's like, Oh, it was me the entire time. It's like, calm down. Like we, as the audience get it, like it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not like shitting on the actor. I'm just shitting on the teleplay. It's like, I think we figured that out. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and then like when he goes against the tree trunk and he's like collapsing and then we cut to now back, you know, the modern day and he's like, 
he has the, the, the toy soldier in his hands and he decides to bury it. It's like, like, you know, this is one of those things where it's like show don't tell. I think this, I think the segment would have benefited a little bit more from, you mentioned all the dialogue, a little, little lighter hand there. And also like if, if we were learning along the way that older Gus shouldn't be here and that him meddling is going to cause problems. Like here, I'll give you an example. Like I'll, I'll specifically mention walking distance. There's a bit when he's like trying to talk to his younger self in the carousel and, and he causes his younger self to, to jump off the carousel and actually hurt his leg. So he has a limp for the rest of his life that he didn't have until he went back. And then when we get to the end of that segment of the, I'm sorry, that episode, he now has a limp because he gave it to himself. Right. We needed needed something like that. Yeah. I mean, that would have been far more uh, um, interesting and, and all like, we could have gotten more out of that kind of like storytelling here, but I'm, I'm really confused in the fact that it's like, so then what does Gus today, older Gus do every time that he's not happy? So like, does he wake up the next morning and hate his life still and then go back up and dig up that same exact toy? Or does he try yeah. to dig up a different toy? Like, I'm really confused I, about... Th- like, the whole idea that you you physically make peace, like, within three seconds, right? And then, like, okay, great. It, it's a button on, on a thematic thing. But then you, you call a cab and then you find out that your childhood bullies the like a cab driver, meaning that he never amounted to shit, Right. And it's like, oh, he's like, hey, your name's Jack Wielden. He's like, yeah, do you know me? He's like, not anymore. It's like that. It, it just shows me that you're still an asshole. You're still an right. asshole. Like you, you didn't actually be like, hey, you know what? I never got a chance to actually know who you were back then. I'm home now. Let's get a cup of coffee. Let's talk. Like, you know, like not that I'm saying that had to happen either, but it's like, you're still a dick. You just now in hindsight, you realize that your dad wasn't like the, the worst person, but you're still an angry, angry man. Like, I don't know. Right. That just feels weird to me. No. And that's, that's fair. And like, that's a really, that's a, an enlightening way to think about it. Cause it's like, if he's supposed to go through all of this and like, kind of try to figure out where the flaws were in his personality and where they develop when he got out on the other side and back to the day, he like, he didn't rectify any of that. Like he still was the jerk that you're saying. It's like, so it's like, but what was this? This was like a failed mission either way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You gotta, you gotta go back to your checkpoint and restart cause you messed it up. Right. So, yeah. So yeah, I just, I don't think the intent of this was to do like a retread of walking distance, but my God, it screams out the entire time. Right. That's what it is to me. Like, like I, I understand that we're going to get a couple of actual, like we talked about dead woman shoes being an update of dead man shoes. And that was different. And we're going to get a couple other of these coming along with this 80 series that are direct references to the original series. But it seems weird to me that Harlan Ellison didn't bat an eye that the, like that one of the more like iconic um, episodes of the original series, which was really early in its run. Like you, you, you didn't see like, you know, that the, like I'm going to put this to you, Terry. We, t- we've talked about this, like um, maybe not on here, but uh like uh, you and I have both read in the past year, uh, something wicked this way comes the Ray Bradbury book. Like, yeah. like, you know, like how can you not like, look like there's this nostalgia for what was right. How can you not like, look, like look past like the tip of your nose and not see that this is the territory you're, you're traveling in. 
No, I mean, you, you, I think you're, you're making a really clear point here that if you if you're trying to have a story like like this, then you're supposed to learn something from it. Yeah, and and especially when all those other stories that have been established prior to this, before this one was written, especially something like some uh, something wicked this way comes. You're supposed to learn something from from that from that journey, you know. Like I, I think there wasn't anything learned in this. Like I don't no. think there was a um, a lesson in this at all. Yeah. Like I if, agree. The, if the if the lesson is that you're still going to be a dick when you come out the other end, <laughs> I'm mean, sure. It, I would love to see like um, a Christmas was a, a Christmas Carol or whatever, and be like at the end, uh, Ebenezer's like, nah, still have money. Screw y'all. All right. Oh, it's it's Christmas Day. Give me that goose. Screw y'all. Tiny t- Tiny Tim can die. I'm eating good in the neighborhood. Peace. You know, like <laughs> like deuces. I'm out. You know, like that's <laughs> life well lived. I got all the money. You know, like yeah. Oh, death show I mean, me. I'm dying alone. Huh? Guess I, guess my my coffin's going to be weighed down with all the monies I have. You know, whatever. Yeah, they Scrooge McDuck in it for the rest of my days. Like, <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I was really confused by the message that was given to me at the end of this. Because I'm like, so is this something that he clearly knows how to do? Like, this is something that he's done in the past where he can just dig up one of these toys and then go into his past and try to rectify the problem I, I like that there, you're, I it, like that you're applying like a butterfly effect type of thing to this. I like that. I think yeah. it's funny. Um, but I don't know. It's just so, it's so loosey goosey. So, um, do you have any other notes? Cause I, I'm going to get into some of the commentary from Harlan Ellison that I like that will, that will shade his rose colored, um, look at this segment. I think that you're going to be bringing up some of the things that I was going to bring up. So go ahead and Okay. Save my man. Okay. Great. So, listening to the seg- like the commentary that uh, Harlan Ellison done, which is the fourth one I think so far, uh, he mentioned that when he moved from Cleveland, he moved to Paintsville. His family is the only Jewish family that was there, and he got beat up a lot just because he was Jewish, right? And that's terrible. He talked about how, like, um, he said he got in a lot of fights as a kids uh, as a kid, usually unconscious. They would just beat him till he was like out. Right. That's terrible. And there was a point where he got beat up so bad that he ruined his clothes and actually hid in a bush bush in like like some like, I don't know, the middle of like winter for like four or five hours and eventually went home. And his parents were like, he was ashamed of what happened. His parents are like, what did you do? He's like, what? Like, why did you hide out? He's like, because, well, I got like basically it was like I got jumped and I didn't want to come home because my clothes are ruined. Right. Like I like I got bullied growing up. Not that bad. You know what I mean? Like, I can't even imagine. And he talked about how at one point um, he was like sitting in like the principal's office or something. And they, the kids were referring to him as an elephant and he didn't put two and two together later until they realized he was Jewish with a big nose. And it's like the, the the stereotype, not me saying that, but that was the two and two he put together. And he's like, he's like, I didn't even realize. Right. So it's like, my God, like the shit he put up with. Right. And so like, and so that also kind of colors to him later where he's like this, like small guy that's ready to throw down with anybody. So that I, I can understand why that puts a fire in your soul to be like, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do what's best for me. So, um, so yeah, um, he talks about living in Painesville. 
He specifically mentions the address, which I'm not going to here. But, you know, if you and I want to drive by sometime and try to dig up some toy soldiers, that's fine. We can do that. Um, you know, we're not going to cause any, like, maybe we should bury a toy soldier. And I'm sure the people that live there now, they're like, can people just stop burying shit in our front yard? That'd be great. <laughs> kind of like, like how the people just go there and bury other things. Yeah. Kind of like what? how the people that own the house from breaking bad got tired of people throwing pizza on the roof. So they eventually sold the house. They got so tired of people throwing pizza on the garage. Um, that's a thing. Look it up. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so, uh, like, so his father was actually a jewelry store owner. So a lot of this was re- like autobiographical, right? So he actually went in and talked about how, what he, he actually like the, the sequence whenever, uh, Older Gus is talking to his father at the jewelry store while young Gus is washing his hands and cleaning up. Harlan Ellison showed up to that that set that day late and was actually behind um, the set where the younger self, right, was washing his hands. And he's like, and I had this moment where I was watching me, uh, my young my young self talking, like listening to my older self talking to my father. And he was like, and it was like, he was like, I just, he's like, I, like, I started crying uncontrollably. And there's something there that I could appreciate that you're seeing your life in front of you as written that he actually said, I was openly weeping. They had to like, stop for a second. I had to wander away. And it's like, so this whole segment really hit him hard because it's autobiographical in a lot of ways of like, I wish I could go back and do all of this. I think he got too close to it. That's what I'll say about that because um, he. There's a quote here too. He uh, and I think this is this. Regardless of how you about feel about the segment, we're going to wrap this up in a little bit here. He says, "Your work counts when it hurts." That's probably one of my favorite quotes I've heard in recent memory. Like so it, it's, it's a, a very yeah, it's a very interesting quote, and it's very enlightening to the the kind of like um, mindset and you know, in emotions that he was going through. Yeah. It's an amazing quote. Right. But then, but then as he's talking, um, there, there's the sequence whenever, uh, young Gus and old Gus are playing basketball. It was right before the, the father com- confronts old Gus. Um, the commentary just stops. So there's like another eight minutes where nothing happens in the commentary. And I'm like, Oh, this is really emotional for you. You have nothing else to say. <laughs> like, so I kept fast forwarding. I'm like, are you going to talk more? Nope. We're done now. So there we go. As much as this affected him, he couldn't even go the full like 28 minutes to talk about it. Wow. It really must have broke him to deal with these kinds of things on, on screen and yeah. like while we was filming it. So I can appreciate that kind of like, um, therapeutic notion of this, like dragging all your toys out, like, and all your good, bad, and otherwise for people to see, uh, you know, Sterling was very autobiographical too. Right. And then, like, I, and like, that's not bad. Like, um, um, you know, it's good to kind of get your, yourself out in front for people. Like just, I don't know. They're, they're, it's just, you know, you're, you, you're struggling with something. I think it's good to voice it because one, get it out of you and two other people can relate to it. Right. And like, so I think that's important. Um, I just think that there's sometimes that, you know, there, there, um, that you can be too close to something and not see the flaws in the storytelling. This, this is not a great put together segment. We don't understand why, um, old Gus is suddenly feeling faint and he's like, I'm sick. I'm just sick. Deal with the kid. Whatever. I don't, that's stupid. I don't like, we don't get any ramifications from that. Um, and then to find out that like, 
yeah, like time is a loop and you caused yourself to be an asshole, but you didn't learn from it. There's problems here. And also like how the time switch happened. Like there, like we didn't even get like, you know, like the, the, um, the somewhere in time thing of like, I'm going to wish myself back there. I'm going to focus and I can will myself through time. It was, I dug up some shit in my front yard. I guess I'm back in the fifties. Like, like what? Like, you know, at least, at least in back to the future, we got some plutonium and 88 miles an hour. Right. Yeah. The rules weren't established, uh, well enough in this. And yeah. And that's kind of a bummer because I think if we would have set the groundwork a little bit better and then change up a couple of things, and I, I don't want to always have this kind of conversation that if we did it our way, it might be better. Like it just, there's a couple of things here, folks, that if you don't see them um, as flaws and I, I commend you because I, I just couldn't see past them. And I honestly, I wasn't really happy about this episode but I could definitely see that there was something very interesting here. And I could see that there was a lot of heart that was written into this, this story. And, uh, that's not, that's not exactly where I find the flaw. It's in how the execution was. Yeah, I no, think if, yeah. we, if, if he didn't have one of his buddies, like you said, the quote about, um, the, uh, Alan burner was like a, tr- uh, a trusted confidant of his. Yeah. It's like, Okay, that's that's fine, but I, I think that maybe you both were a little too close to the material. Then maybe if we had a, like a story editor come in and been like, who's not, you know, like too close to anybody at all, and just been like, yeah, there's a couple things here, guys, that maybe we should change, you know? Yeah, there's like, there, a writing yeah, room in there. there. There's the quote of like, kill your babies, meaning like something might be near and dear to you, but like you know, if it's if it's right, you kill your babies. Right. And I feel like with this and a paladin or the paladin of the lost hour or whatever we, we talked about, it's like, right. You needed somebody to kind of kill your babies. Like that's, you needed somebody to come in and be like, nah, I understand the emotional beat, but we can, we can do that by shifting X, Y, and Z, you know, like, and I feel like, like, and I'm like, you know, that one had a kernel of a good story there too. And, 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 and again, I've not read the short story that was based upon. I've not read the short story. Maybe, uh, Ellison's writing, it, it shines through a lot more and that's fair. Like, don't get me wrong, but like, but if something, if something is transcendent and you find what works well, um, then, you know, like you and I don't need to go back to the short story because we got what it was going like, not that, let me rephrase. Yes, we should check out his writing. Cause I know he's a pro- prolific writer and it's great that he's part of the twilight zone pantheon. Right. But at the same time, um, that shouldn't take like the, the television version of a story shouldn't take away from the written version and we shouldn't have to read the written version to be like, Oh, this is what he was going for. You know what I mean? It should stand on its own. I guess that's what I'm saying. No. And it, I, you know, I think we've kind of aligned our feelings on yeah. this one. Um, you know, it's not great. There's definitely something uh, that is heartfelt and, very emotional within this story. And I can see that. I can see that clearly. Um, it's just, there's a couple of fine tunings that weren't done here. And for me, this fell a little short. Um, but you know, that's, it is what it is. And, you know, at least we had something that was kind of a whole story. At least we had something from a to B in a sense. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. At least we didn't have, um, oh, what was it? We didn't have the, the Arrested Manchild, like season four, uh, the original series of the incredible world of Horace Ford. At least we didn't yeah. have that, right? So oh, <laughs> at least we didn't have that. So there we go. So, all right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's going to do it um, before we, we're going to get to what we're doing next. But uh, as we do here, we got to rate that twist. Uh, twist rating is one through five. One being um, we saw it from a mile away and five being mind blowing. Um, oh, he went back in time and, um, you know, shit didn't change. I'm going to give that a 1.2. I shouldn't do a point, but, you know. It's just uh, him being an asshole at the end. I didn't see that coming, but him trying to like, you know, go back in time and be like, Oh, I could change things. We've seen that a lot as a trope on the twilight zone. And that, that's fair. Um, I, I think that, uh, luckily we, we had a, a title here that didn't actually give away the whole damn plot. Oh, the title. Uh, so <laughs> it's so much up its own ass. Like I wouldn't even talk about that. It's like, calm down, <laughs> like settle down. Like it's not even, <laughs> You know, it's like, there's a lot of times when we get Twilight Zone stuff, that's like, like, uh, a quote from Shakespeare or something. It's like, okay. I'm like, great. You're right. This title doesn't tell us anything. I'm going to give the, I'm going to give the overall, like, um, like the twist rating of one as well, because it usually in these kinds of storylines, nothing changes. And it's just like this guy living in turmoil for the rest of his life. So it's like, okay, well, I guess uh, you're going to keep on living in this loop of like, well, I'm still not happy about how my fa- father and my relationship went, so I'm going to keep on digging up toy soldiers. So. <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm going to go back to Ohio. <laughs> you know, that, the, yeah, Hopefully the, he has a frequent flyers yeah. uh, miles card so he can keep on going back. Yeah, the, the, the armpit of America, Ohio. <laughs> I don't know what that you means. You shut your damn mouth. <laughs> This is our home and we love it. I've lived here longer than my, my home state of West Virginia. So I guess I'm an Ohioan now I'm a Buckeye. I'm filled with full peanut butter and covered in chocolate. That's what I am. So, all right. Um, (laughs) that's going to do it for our discussion about one life furnished in early poverty. All right. And then for Tom, what we're doing next, you guys can find us on Facebook, uh, strange highways, always posting, uh, weird images and silly things. Currently, I'm posting weird shit from the beacon because that was a like the, of the two segments. That was the more fun one. I'll say that of this episode, like in full, like, so you guys can check that out. You can email us directly at strange highways, podcast, gmail.com, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us because you're appreciated. And also like, if you enjoy the show, enjoy the conversation, let other people know. And Terry, how can people find us otherwise? Uh, we are on Instagram folks. Uh, we're still hanging out over there, posting stuff having some fun. Uh, hopefully you guys can finally get off your asses and join them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, um, we've had some feedback on there recently. We are very, very excited that somebody is finally uh, connecting with us on there. So thank you. Um, but otherwise uh, we're still looking for those, uh, those um, uh, ratings. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can go over to Spotify that five-star rating thing is something that's kind of newer to us. Um, they've been doing it for about a year. We really haven't had enough for it to show up on their algorithm yet, but you guys can go over there. If you use the use Spotify for listening to the podcast and that, just give us a like on there. If that's not necessarily where you listen to it, just go over there and do it anyways, because um, that there is some of these uh, platforms that don't give you the accessibility to uh, that's right. rate yeah. and review 
uh, podcast. So I know that we are still on uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, so if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a, a, a review on there. It's been a while since we've had one, but anything, any kind of love, uh, we'd re- really appreciate it. And it kind of it kind of sends out the signal to other people too. Yeah. I like the idea that like, we're so lonely. We're hoping our future selves come back and help us out and then give us a hug. And that's what, you know, like, that's what I'm hoping for right now that I, I like, I do not want to see my future 20 year old, like 20 years older from myself. I'll be like, Oh, oh no, 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 no. And then yeah, mine like, is going to look like it's going to call out of a crypt. Like it's going <laughs> to be real sad. I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be pizza the hut. That's what's going to happen to me. That's <laughs> All right, let's just get into what we're doing next. That's the twist noise. That's not right at all. What about this one? <laughs> and now, Mr. Surly. That was the twist. Uh, next that, episode. That's the twist that we're actually going to do another podcast. Yeah, right. We're done now. All right, everybody. Good night. No, no. Next segment we're getting into is uh, season one of the original, uh, sorry, original, of the 80s revival of The Twilight Zone. Uh, episode 12, segment A, Her Pilgrim Soul. Um, again, I, I, like, I think I've talked about this previously. I think once we get through the next two segments, we're going to be halfway through season one of the 80, 85, uh, revival. And, and I know we've been doing this since January, but it feels like, like it just passed in a blink of an eye. This is crazy. No, oh, well, you know, good conversation can go like that, right. but yeah. yeah, we can't wait for you guys to hear this one. Cause, uh, we got a little bit to talk about Mr. Wes Craven's coming back. Right. Yeah. So we're going to get into that. That's going to do it for us this week. Everybody. I hope you enjoyed our conversation about one life furnished in early poverty. Uh, have a good week. Have a safe week. In the meantime, I don't know. Uh, treat your toys better. Just don't bury them in the dirt. Like that's stupid. Uh, and treat your peers with respect. Last week, his friend, Johnny Lumley, just like that, out of the blue, he pushes him off a garage roof. When I was a kid, I jumped off all sorts of things. I used to pretend I could fly. I'd use the bushes to break my fall. It was fun, a thrill. Maybe Gus thinks it's fun. Maybe he thought Johnny would enjoy it, too, if he'd only try it.